0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 7, Episode 9. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Project Voice. I'm not wearing my Titans hat. The streak is broken. The Titans won nine, won five games in a row and then lost, so it's time for a new streak. And uh, yeah, I'm a little unshaven for those watching on YouTube. I'm taking my son camping this week, but uh, that's that's what you get. Uh, we've got a great panel uh, for the show today, and some really interesting stories as well, so we're excited to get on into it. Um, Gonin, I'm going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. Uh, tell us about On Onvigo, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, right. Tell us everything.
1: Okay, um, quick ways of introduction. Uh, I'm the CRO at Onvego, and conversational AI company, um, originally from Israel came here for one project about 35 years ago and stayed. Uh, (laughs) A Couple of words about uh, myself. Uh, This is my fifth startups right now. And uh, I've been working in in very advanced uh, uh, IoT and, and related AI solutions over the past few years and Onvego and is definitely the, the one of the most advanced companies I've been working with. Um, the core competency of Onvego, which was um, started in 2017, have to do with taking conversational AI to realms which typically are not common. And, and primarily, it's the fact that uh, the AI is disconnected from the cloud. So a lot of the um, things that we do actually relate to, let's say, offline IoT. We can activate drones uh, offline and, and do all kinds of retail solutions offline. And at the same time, we are uh, involved right now in a in, uh, major launch of our uh, smart receptionist product, which has to do with a telco uh, and a UCAS industry, introducing the the conversational AI to basically uh, replace what is the traditional IVRs, uh, press one for this, two for that, with conversational AIs. The research uh, uh, and development that the company did for quite a few years, uh, as I said, concentrated on um, getting to very high accuracy and right now we have achieved in a few of the projects about 99 plus of accuracy, which is actually very hard to do. And the different uh, techniques and and um, different ways of applying uh, uh, certain modules that we were able to do and, and, and build the, the neural networks in a way that allows us actually to get extremely high accuracy. Uh, Type of projects we have done uh, are in the military sector, in in the commercial sector. Uh, We have contracts with the DOD, with uh, other defense uh, uh, departments. And uh, in in the realm of we've done projects for GM, for GE, and uh, with other well-known names that uh, are in the commercial world. And I'm glad to be here thank you
0: a pleasure to have you on the show interesting company you outlined a lot of it there thanks for being part of it with us um thank Colleen you. I'm gonna to go to you next and I uh, you know I don't know if it's my my Southern Heritage or what my problem is but I can never ever pronounce the name of your company correctly tell us who you are Okay. Let, tell us yeah and tell and set the record straight tell me the name
2: it's CZM Song. So here's the trick, everybody. You can use the same trick. Just write the letters C, Z, and M, and just say the names of them: C, Z, M. All C-Z-M. together, C, Z, M. Then you have the name of the company: C, Z, M, Son.
0: Perfect. Thank you, you for it. being here. Tell us, <laughs> tell us who y'all are and what you do.
2: Okay. So. About 10 years ago, I went to a conference in the United States, the first sonic branding conference. It was actually called audio branding at the time. And um, I, I didn't know what was at the conference or what was going to be there. And everybody seemed tremendously excited, speaking English in every accent imaginable, not American accents, though. And I was, what are these people talking about? Why are they so excited? And they started presenting these ideas of um, musically infused brands. So a bank would walk in. And when you walked into the ATM section, the music would change. You would know that you were in that bank. The ATM would have some reflection of the same sound. The, The sound in the bank, the commercials would all be aligned. And the same with train systems, the same with cities. And I thought that was the biggest idea I had ever heard in branding. I thought it was bigger than anything. And there was a lot of real tactical marketing going on at the time, QR codes and stuff. And um, I thought, I'm going to put aside my whole huge career and do this. And so... I really felt that the professionalism that was being shown from mostly Europeans and some Brazilians was extremely high and the concept was so spot on because all it was was taking what branding agencies already do defining a brand with colors and typefaces and logos and doing it in sound and music. So I thought everybody else in the whole wide world would say wow let's just start doing this. That is not how it happened. Uh, It actually takes quite a while to sell something that doesn't have a budget, doesn't have a deadline, and that nobody's really heard about in your country. Uh, But anyway, we opened Cesium Song about a decade ago in the U.S. and Canada. And uh, since then, we have slowly but surely built a real portfolio of very solid brands in financial services and fintech, in pharma, um, but also You know, the lighter sectors, like um, we have Hostess and sparkling ice. So we cover a range. We create sonic logos with the same intensity as somebody creating a visual logo. And we also create sonic ecosystems for the entire brand. So wherever you hear the brand, it sounds like the brand. Um, In the world of voice, we created the sound some sound for the open voice network, both music and we chose a voice for their voice app and who, which was a foreign, it was somebody who wasn't from the United States because that was one of the things that we were trying to do is say, no, we're global, but the person speaks English. And we also created something for women and women in voice, a podcast dressing kit. Um, and. I have joined the voice community because they're the only people who really understand all the time that sound really matters. So,
0: it, it, yeah, it, yeah, no, that's great, and it's interesting to see how everything's sort of interrelated, you know. And and um, the 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 work that you're doing is is uh, it's pretty profound. It's, pre- it's it can be hard to quantify uh, sometimes, but um, boy, we're you glad you're here. It, it's cesium zone. I got it. Colleen, thank you for joining. You did it.
2: Awesome. <laughs>
0: the likelihood of me getting that wrong now is pretty, pretty low. Still not zero, but pretty low. Um, Charlie, great to have you on the show as well. Um, take a moment. Tell us who you are. Tell us about Say It Now.
3: Uh, Say so yeah, I'm Charlie Cadbury. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders here at Say It Now. Now we are an advertising technology business. We are on a mission, uh, which is to make it possible to engage with every advertising message using your voice. In 2019, we won the Alexa Cup. In 2020, we started running audio ad campaigns. These we call actionable audio ad campaigns, and these are ads that you hear on the radio and the slots you expect to hear a radio ad. But we ask you to talk back to them using your smart speaker. So, for example, you're listening to the radio and ads come on and they say, tonight is pizza night. I'd love to give you 50% off your pizza tonight. All you need to do is say, Alexa, open Pizza Hut delivery. You then say, Alexa, open Pizza Hut delivery. She says, can I send you a coupon to your phone? You say, yes. That coupon arrives at your phone and you continue listening to the radio. And so what we're doing for audio advertisers is we then deliver them a dashboard so we can tell you exactly what publisher played the audio ad, when they got that engagement, and then how many people then um, downloaded that coupon. So they can start, start to see audio campaigns in the same way as they see other digital display campaigns. Now, um, we then in 2021 purchased a, um, a, a Canadian technology platform to accelerate our growth. We've now been chosen as WPP's voice partner so, any audio campaigns that you um, hear asking you to talk back to them, that's likely to be us. And we're just launching our CTV proposition with Tremor right now. That's,
0: that's a lot. Um, and you're making me hungry in there. Uh, thanks for that. I oh, will uh, launch uh, your
3: Domino's campaign today as well. So, you know, that's that that sector's on the march.
0: <laughs> they, yeah, no, I. I um... You know, advertising has been one of those things that um, it's like it's like a lot of aspects of conversational AI. There's kind of a hur- there's been a hurry up and wait sort of thing going on for the last few years, but now you know there's a lot of reason whether it's purchasing patterns, you know, uh, conversational commerce, the growth there, um, a lot of lot of lot of cracks opening up where you know there might be green shoots to take advantage of. Thank you for being part of the show. It's great to be here. So with that, we're going to get to the news. And story number one is from voicebot.ai. And I'm going to read this headline. TV AI startup Disruptel acquired by Samba TV. So uh, here we are again, another acquisition. Um, Adam Shire was part of this. The article talks about his involvement. Uh, Colleen, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, interesting story, uh, interesting company on both sides of the transaction. What, what if anything, stood out to you with this?
2: Oh, I lost your voice a little bit there, but I'll talk anyway. Um, so I, I think that the big part of the story is that they're talking about an interesting disruption, which is that you will be able to talk to your television and say hey I like that dress how can I buy it or something like that which um, I think is going to be an impulse shopper's dream and probably also will cause a lot of family arguments and uh, I think that the person who would be best to talk about this is Charles because he's already got the experience of interaction with voice and shopping.
0: Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 giving everybody a chance uh, to to talk about every every story, you know. Yeah, and and you know, with with the work that y'all do, um, I think that uh, the growth of the TV, you know, is pretty noteworthy because um, it's been it's been a couple of at least three or four years now where Comcast has invested a lot of money in putting voice, a voice assistant you know conversational ai into finding shows and it's really transformed that experience and what it does is it it changes expectations on the user side to where now you could come in you know and and think about the sonic identity of what's going on and you can you can start to build off of that so i think it's exciting from your standpoint but Charlie, I will go to you next, and go, in. I'm going to uh, end with you on this. Um, same question for you. You know, interesting story, uh, interesting company. Samba is a big company on the TV side. What what stands out to you?
3: So this is awesome. So um, just just to a bit of context, what this technology does is it kind of reads what um, what you're seeing, and then kind of semantically understands what's going on. And then at the moment, if you pause the TV, it'll show you it can tell you a little bit more about what's going on there and uh, serve you ads. But what this is allowing is for you to then talk to the TV and ask, but uh, you know, what's what's uh, what is that person wearing, for example, and deliver other advertising opportunities. Now. This stinks of a Amazon acquisition in the very near future. So a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York at Amazon's Unboxed conference and they are all over media. So obviously they've got Prime, they've got um, uh, freev which is their new, new ad supported bundle and they're buying rights from everything. They uh, announced a $1 billion rights um, uh, purchase of Thursday night football on an 11 year deal. I mean, they're, they're quite serious here. They were also talking about the technology that they're layering in to this content that they own. Right. And so they um were featuring a technology they had just bought, which allows you to do product placement into existing TV. So a film or kind of a, a TV series that had already been shot, you would be able to place a mobile phone or place a particular product in the kitchen and giving those as new advertising opportunities. And Amazon are really keen on this because that locks you into buying their media, which is obviously very high margin for them. Um, and so, you know, this this is exactly the kind of thing that um Amazon will be wanting to add into their um, um, uh, amazon advertising ecosystem which is hugely on the march they went from 15 billion dollars to 30 billion dollars between 2019 and 2021 they're very serious about um all of this um and it you know plays plays squarely into um into into that ecosystem so i i am not a betting man but if i was um i'd say that um that's the path that these guys are on
0: Yeah, no, complete agreement. Um, It opens up a number of interesting doors. And Gonin, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, You know, it's a pretty straightforward story. Acquisition, yet another one in the space. Um, Interesting companies on both sides of it. What stood out to you?
1: I'm looking at this from the consumer side. Actually, it's it's quite cool. The fact that you can interact the same way that Charles is interacting with, with, with the smart speakers. You can interact with the TV and, and many times I ask myself the questions that they, they actually say, you know, what are those shoes or uh, certain item, maybe certain uh, uh, important information that I'm really curious about. And I, what I would do, I'm thinking about myself and watching this show is, oh, I think I know that this actor actually was in this show. So I, I'll go on my phone. I'm missing out what's going on in the TV and I'm trying to search for the information, because we are multitasking at the same time, but I cannot stop what's going on, on on the TV. So this is really cool because it's almost you know the information at the tip of your hands and and extremely interactive. I I, I like it. That's all I can say.
3: I, th- I think the, the big challenge here is kind of um, this behavior change, you know, they're putting this technology or this kind of feature within shows is great, but then getting the people to understand that they can and they should and they might want to ask these questions, there's a big step up there. So until you've got the people in the shows or some kind of education around all this, I think it's um, going to be challenging to get adoption. But, but you know, it's it's like you were talking
1: uh, before uh, on the Comcast remote, Uh once I saw it and I got it, I couldn't stop using it. It's like the moment it triggers, it's, you know, man, that's all I'm gonna use. And I at one point I, I can tell you my own experience with using the, the the Comcast remote. I had no idea what channels I had. I was just asking, just say what you want and, and you get it. And as as an experience, it's it's it transcends.
3: It, it's it's really a disruptor in, in in a lot of ways. A lot of. I'm, ways. Just, I'm worried about my my children finding out and um them talking to the TV over everything we're trying to watch. so I think that could become a bit annoying. <laughs> it,
0: it opens up all sorts of doors, you know. And yeah. um, if if I'm able to ask, I mean, TV is kind of a. For a lot of people, TV is a a. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a burden, but it requires work. You know, you have to know um, what channels you have and what type of stuff shows up on them, and how to how to work your DVR and all of that. And if you can just reduce that complexity down to just speaking to your remote, then all of a sudden you got tons of upsell opportunities. Like for example, if there's a tennis match that I care about watching and I have no clue if I have the right channel for it, but I can ask my remote, hey, do I get, you know, Djokovic, you know, the, the match this afternoon? No, but if you subscribe to this free trial um, or you pay 4.99 a month for the for the next three months and you can get this channel and you can watch the match and you'll have this thing, shoot, sign me up. But the if I hadn't known any of that, um, you know, then I never would have done it. And that's just one opportunity among many. It just the revenue possibilities, Charlie, as you noted, uh, if if you have a voice and interactive layer on top of this thing, it just explodes. And then Colleen, to to everything that y'all do, like I was saying, um, and like you were saying, uh, you know, the the then you can start to think about all sorts of additional things that you can do. So I, I think it's I think it's exciting. Um, but uh, yeah, so a pretty straightforward story and we love to see acquisitions in the space. It's good to start with that. I'm gonna move on to story number two, which I think will be uh, probably the one that's discussed the most out of these four. This is from Wired. Elon Musk has fired Twitter's ethical AI team. As part of a wave of layoffs, a new CEO disbanded a group working to make Twitter's algorithms more transparent and fair. So, Gonin, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to go actually in the reverse order for this. Um, uh, Gonin, and then Charlie, and then Colleen. Um, you know, Twitter's all in the news. Elon Musk is all in the news. People can't stop talking about this guy. Uh, he fired a bunch of people. Story goes into it. Tell us your thoughts.
1: Well, <laughs> quite a few here. The, I think... First, removing all kind of barriers of censorship and so forth. You know, at one point you have to say, "Well, is can you say everything?" And then obviously, we go into you know, can you say fire in in the theater? And 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 there has to be some sort of limits. That's my my, my gut feeling and all this. But going into the ethical side of of AI is. Uh, there's always biases in, in AI when we put it up. And, and I've seen myself working with, with the programmers and so forth how definitely certain things you can influence. So AI is is full of, of all kinds of, of biases. And and I think to a certain degree, you will have to put some sort of a I don't know, framework around it as as Asimov used to say in his book, there are three rules that when you have in, in, in interacting with, with AI, and, and you cannot break these rules. So, so eventually we will have to come to some sort of frame and ruling that otherwise this thing will be totally open for for actually quite a chaotic and, and really uncontrolled environments that we will be exposed to and, and probably drive us really, really crazy.
0: And I should have prefaced this by asking, and I'll ask all three of you this. Are are you a Twitter user? I'm not. Okay. So not. Um, so that's I want to make sure we combine that, uh, the two things together. No, I, I agree. There's got to be limits to that. And Charlie, I'm going to go to you, and I'm going to ask the same question. Interesting story. Elon Musk, uh, people can't stop talking about him. Uh, he fired these people and a bunch of others. What stood out to you?
3: Uh, so I sort of user at Charles Cadbury. come and say hi. Um I um I want to first look at this. The most important piece of information on that page was that it was written on Friday, the fourth of November. So I can only be certain of one thing that this is out of date. He may have hired these people back, but what struck me is that you know, it's a, it's a, obviously an attention-grabbing headline, all the ethics are gone. But I'm sure there is a plan for some kind of um Uh, department which is looking at this as it's so key to building out trust in the algorithms, which is what I believe he's keen to do. Um, in his other businesses, Elon puts things in space and allows cars to drive around. There's a huge amount of AI and understanding that he has in this realm. And possibly he'd be looking to build this up from the ground up again. Um, I think the headline infers that ethics has gone out the window and won't come back. I don't read that. I, uh, I think that um, there is uh, other knowledge from outside domains that may come in and fill this void.
0: Well said. And Colleen, I'm going to go to you uh, with the same question. Um, You know, what 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 stands out to you about this piece of news about Twitter?
2: Okay, first, I'll answer the question that you proceeded with, which was, do I use Twitter? And I do use Twitter, Uh, but mostly I've handed it over to the company and they use it for mostly business purposes. So the first thing I thought when I read that article was that the voice community should grab all these talented people and bring them over to voice because in the voice community, we have the same problem that that Twitter's um, defaults or prefers white faces. We prefer white voices or our technologies tend to work better with white voices. So there's a lot that voice could um, learn from this A-team of people that Elon Musk has uh, fired. Um, and then the, the other thing that I thought of, I thought about when I was reading it was that I've moderated before and it's so important to make pe- people feel safe. And that's what's, that's what's getting lost. When you see a headline like that, you feel as if you wouldn't be safe there. And that somebody could come after you or come after a whole group of people that you would prefer they didn't come after. Um, And that if you're an advertiser, that's multiplied by 10 times. Advertisers really need to feel safe. So if they think that ethics are going out the window, they just can't touch it and won't touch it. And it'll really mess up Elon Musk's um, bottom line.
0: No, I think, oh uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think uh, good points all the way around for me. So I, I've i been on Twitter a long time. I just to a couple of weeks ago, deleted my account. Um, it wasn't a political statement. I I kind of just did it because I was sick of the service and I'd seen some tweets that uh, made me de- hit the delete key uh, but uh, Project Voice is still on there. This weekend Voice is still on there. So we still have some business accounts on there. You know, it's it uh, the the article does come across as pretty alarmist for my tastes. I agree with that also. Um, you know, I I um, I think we're about to see. Uh, what Elon Musk is made out of. And I think that there's a lot of reason for optimism about the service. You know, Colleen, I I, I agree with what you said about safety. I would challenge uh, that a little bit by, you know, um, I, I forget when I read it. It was about a year ago. It wasn't recently, but something talking about who has been removed from the service forcibly and who is on the service. And I have a lot of trouble getting past that a sitting, you know, a prior US president is not allowed on the surface, while the Shah of Iran is allowed on the service. So somebody needs to answer for that. And cause one, one of them is like demonstrably like one of the most unsafe people on the planet. The other one just likes to run his mouth. So, you know, there, there's some standards somewhere in there that I think can be a compromised solution. Um, but I think that they eluded the previous team, um, and um, I don't know. You know, I, I'm I'm hopeful. You know, but I agree with you. It's not like these people are garbage. He fired a lot of talented people, who I'm sure are going to land on their feet. So there's that part of it too. So I don't know. For me, it's a big, big old mixed bag. Any closing thoughts from the three of y'all on this?
1: A point of thought which uh, occurred to me: Imagine Twitter. I don't know, in the 1930s, giving the stage to Hitler, what would happen then? You know, I mean, it's, it's, there has to be some sort of limits on this. I mean, obviously, not everybody will get access, on, and sorry, you know? Sure. And, and it's, it's, you know, once deaths, and, and, and you're talking life and death, and it's beyond safety, you know, this, this can be really harmful. I'm, I can't believe that at one point, uh, Elon Musk will not limit by some sort of rules, but, but something which makes sense, the, the impose some sort of ethical standards. Uh, it, it will not survive. It won't work.
0: Well, there's been a human trafficking that's taken place through Twitter on the back channels of that. They've had to shut some of that down. There's it, Twitter's had a lot of unsavory things happen over I mean, it's been around a long time people forget it. it feels like it feels like it was created like five years ago no this thing it's like 10 to 15 years old um so it's it's got some history but um uh colleen or you or charlie any closing thoughts or, or should we move on
3: i just think it's taken up too much airspace there's um more important things happening in the world well, I deleted
0: my personal account and Colleen, I'll give you the last word.
2: And, yeah, I would say that that world needs an open voice network like entity to help them establish ethical standards, best practices, you know, and and really think about how they could affect the future of mankind.
0: Well said, perfect, perfect place to leave that. Uh, story number three from the Daily Wire Amazon's Alexa misinforms Tennesseans of polling hours on election day. So this is the first Daily Wire story we've had. Um, It's a more conservative uh, publication that's based, uh, now it's based in Nashville, Tennessee. And it's interesting to see how they present um, this story where essentially they ask uh, for some basic information and they're given um, something totally uh, incorrect. Um, Charlie, I'm going to start with you, and then Colleen, and then going in, I'll go to you. Um, interesting story. You know, we've reported on things like this in the past, where one a major voice assistant or another um, has gotten in the news for some wrong reasons. What stood out to you about this?
3: Um, it's the amount that we now trust our voice assistants to give us the right answer so this is a newsworthy story that a question was asked of a voice assistant and the voice assistant gave the wrong answer. Now that it's, you know, it's midterms. This is a, it's just um, heated because they were asking whether, or when the polls opened. Um, but it's, If you take a step back and realize exactly how far we've come in the world of voice, the fact that this is newsworthy is because you are now expecting to be able to ask a question to your assistant and getting a single source of truth. Now, there's this kind of get out of jail free card that these assistants can play when the subject's too hot or they don't know. Like, Oh, I don't know. Here are some results I found on the web, which at every time you hear that fallback response, you're hearing the voice assistant saying, I tell the truth. The web is full of lies, Um, um, but it kind of reaffirms the fact that um, the voice isn't true. This is never clearer demonstrated than in my kitchen when I tell the children to put a coat on because we're going out, and they turn to Alexa and say, "Alexa, what's the weather like today?" and I have lost my influence over my children because Alexa is now the single source of truth. So for me, for me, you know, I think you know, we're we're entering this uh, interesting time where because voice gives you one answer rather than a search, which gives you a list, and you then curate the answer you want to listen to. Um, we're in this world where we are now beholden to the single source of truth that these assistants are as to you um this is a reminder that that's a world we're walking into um it's useful to be reminded about about this um but I think I suppose that's that's what I took from this story it's kind of a more of a kind of thought exercise for myself is actually look this is this is amazing how um how far we've come and how much influence these assistants do have and will have on our lives moving forward
0: it, yeah c- couldn't agree more Colleen I'm going to ask you the same question interesting story here what stood out to you
2: what what I what intrigued me was how did it happen? How, because when I first heard about it, I thought, okay, it's just some kid who just wasn't paying attention and drinking his um, Mountain Dew and just skid stopped somehow and did the wrong thing. But then when you actually read the answer, it's so full of information. It has all kinds of information about when the other way of going to vote have to be in, and so it feels really like it's true. It, it switched me from thinking it's a goofy kid to this is somebody who has a lot of good information. Why is this one piece wrong and such an important piece? How did it happen? I have no idea how they could make it feel true and it'd be so totally wrong. Does anybody have an answer to that? <clears throat>
0: uh well not no no but not only that but you know i'm i'm intrigued by the fact that so when we when i curate stories for this week in voice i will take a look around and see different publications and how they report the same story and then i just end up choosing one and so you know we don't have all the same publication you know and there's different things that go into that well interestingly this Uh, story you know is was only reported on by the daily wire Uh, nobody else reported anything um, uh, misinformation wise about polling coming out of the mainstream voice assistants at all outside of this story and um, it's interesting because you know Tennessee people think it's a conservative state and it, it for the most part is but it's very liberal in the cities you know of Nashville and Chattanooga and then it's red you know in the peripheral you know everywhere else and so you know you've got this real delicate balance of the political parties in the state which which elevates the importance of this story because Tennessee is a is is turning into a swing state thanks to migration patterns you know coming out of the pandemic here in the US so if it could happen in Tennessee, it, you know, um, it could happen anywhere and it and it's very meaningful and can, could cause a swing one direction or another. So mm-hmm. I'm not only intrigued by what you're saying about, you know, how could it happen, but also like, are we just asleep? Like, is no one paying attention to this? This is something back in 2016, you would have seen a gazillion stories written about. Um, and now you only see the one. So I'm intrigued about that as well. Going in, I'm going to go to you. I, I want to get your thoughts, too. Interesting story. What stood out to you?
1: I think it's a storm in a cup of tea. If on every bug we would have a headline, you know how many headlines we would have? Um, I think I, I, I understand why it wasn't reported. It's not interesting. And I think it's leverage for political reasons of this or another. And uh, I... I know so many times all kind of wrong answers I am getting fr- from Alexa or from uh, Google Home, and, et cetera, that I'm actually, certain things, okay, I know I'm going to get the right information on other things. I know I may get a mix of all kind of things, and, and I take it very cautiously. You're Googling something, you're going to get tons of answers, and, and you have to make sure that you know it's it's written between the lines, see the source, et cetera. I I just think this this story was hyperinflated, and and I I did not get a, a, one smirk from it one smear for me that that was about
0: what it got. So you're unmoved? Yeah, no, I, uh, right. I I I I halfway agree. I think where where I have the problem with it is. <clears throat> we all know we've seen the stories about how many people amazon has employed to prevent this exact thing from happening you know you can't control if i ask alexa how old is julia roberts is if the there's a there's a variance there there's a tolerance of wrong answerness that we're willing to accept because maybe that's something that they're focusing on or maybe it's not But on the election side, um, you would expect um, a higher degree of precision, especially knowing that they've got, you know, the manpower devoted to the task. So I think that that's the troubling thing for me. The thing that elevates it from, hey, uh, someone wrote something about Alexa to, yeah, maybe this is worth, you know, thinking an extra step about is... Don't you have people who are supposed to be doing this? Like, you know, um, so that's, that's,
1: that's, but, but, you know, people will miss things and, and uh, people make mistakes. So it's a mistake, but uh, the the problem is, is that sometimes the the politics, uh, uh, where's the truth? You know, you you can paint it in so many ways and, and eventually finding the truth is almost like extremely hard. And 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 it gets confusing at one point, uh, regardless of which end of this political spectrum you are. Where is what really happened there, you know? And and
2: I mean, could there be malfeasance? Is there a way to hack into it and uh, put in a lie? I don't know the technical side, so I wouldn't have any idea whether it was possible. But could there be? Malfeasance? Yeah. Somebody the question is, to...
1: what what is a lie? You know. And and, 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 uh, <laughs> well, Elias, and
0: the polls were closed on that, that day, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I think that this, this does everything Amazon doesn't want to do. They want, they, this opens Pandora's box for speculation and questioning when that is the entire reason why they have so many people employed is to shut down questioning and make this thing like a well-oiled machine um, and yeah, there's always gonna be you know, this the, we're not discussing whether we disagree with something. It was just this isn't, hey, do you like, you know, donuts? This is uh, is there a polling place open? And, um, so I don't know. I think we covered it. I it's interesting. I I um,, um I don't know. It, it's it's worth noting. I think it's worth noting for what it is and it's worth noting how little it was reported. Which um, you know, I think maybe that's just a sign of the decline of the importance of these ecosystems. I, I don't uh yeah, relative th- to all the other th- to a certain
1: point there have been so many fires that at the end, you know, another fire or or maybe it's well, just a spark.
0: Yeah, there's that too. Um, I'm gonna move on to story number four. Uh this is the first time we've been able to talk about a smart speaker on this show, probably in the last maybe two seasons uh, outside of just a you know very rare story. I just thought this was kind of interesting. This is from Screen Rant. There was a couple of different ones that reported on this, but I liked the, the, this uh, write-up of it the best. Deviolette's ultra-premium smart speaker looks like a green lantern lamp. Let has launched its first portable smart speaker, and while it boasts premium features and a unique design, it doesn't come cheap so um we haven't left the smart speaker smart speaker era behind there's still some innovation going on this is kind of interesting colleen i'm going to start with you charlie go to you and then go and i'm going to give you the last word um kind of a gimmick we you know i like to end uh these episodes with uh either something gimmicky or something funny or something a little bit off the beaten path i think this fits the bill is there anything to take away from this? Uh, You know, what stood out to you? I
2: believe that there is something to take from it. And it's not Green Lantern. It's because I work with a French company, I get a lot of exposure to luxury, fashion, and that whole world of people who like to have something just a little better than someone else's, but they want to have it subtle. And if you look at the shape of this, it's it's got a little interior circle of a different color. And it's, it quietly breathes, I'm just a little bit cooler than you. and uh, But not cooler in a nouveau riche way, but in a way of, I just have good taste. And if you look in my wine closet, it will probably show that too. So to me, it's, I, I don't know the technology behind it, but I think it's the French seeing that need for people to sort of have a posture of having better taste than you. And they're decorating your home with a beautiful, smart speaker that's not a little piece of plastic.
0: I like that. Yeah, no, I I think you're right on the money. And Charlie, I'm gonna go to you. Um, Interesting little thing here. Uh, You heard what Colleen said, your thoughts.
3: Yeah, it's it's obviously an object of desire, $1,000 for a Bluetooth speaker, which is great. But um, so Amazon's growth in Alexa is not going to be by them selling their own smart speakers. Their whole Alexa built-in strategy is exactly aimed at people simply adding the Alexa functionality into third-party um, products like this. So the next TV you buy, the next car you buy, the next microwave you buy, the next Bluetooth speaker you buy, will have the option to have Alexa built in. And that's what's going to drive there being more voice-enabled devices than humans by 2024, it's um, predicted. And that's what then gives this whole kind of concept of ambient computing credence. If there's more of these devices out in the world, then uh, you're more likely to expect there to be an assistant somewhere within earshot so you can engage with digitally provisioned products and services in any room you go into. And I think that my kind of vision of this future is, you know, Bradley, if I come to your house for the first time ever, I very soon would expect to walk into any of the rooms in your house and say, Alexa, what meetings do I have today? And through, through voice fingerprinting, she'll know it's me and she'll say, Charlie, you've got me to Bradley, you're coming right up. Um, and, you know, this that, that at that point, you've reached this whole idea that um, the... The provision products and services we use to run our lives and um you know take on the menial tasks are actually able to be delivered wherever we are. And that's the, the true vision of the assistant, something that's always there to help and support you.
0: Well said. Gonin, I'm going to give you the last word. Uh what what stood out to you about uh this device and this piece?
1: Who is buying these things? <laughs> I, I look at the the smart speakers as a, a true utility, a very useful. I have a bunch of them all over the house. Uh, when I work in the kitchen, it's extremely useful from timing to any other type of information. So for me, twenty dollar Google Home or 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 Alexa Echoes or whatever it is is good enough. So what does it give me? So I'm looking at the practicality of this thing. I'm like. I don't see it, but maybe as, as Colleen was implying, this is, uh, you know, I have it. Nobody else does. It's almost like, you know, you have a watch. though so Everybody has a watch, but I have a Rolex. And, and the time will be the same time, no matter what what you're doing. So maybe I, I don't appreciate that enough. So, so for me, it's a waste. But I understand maybe in certain realms, <laughs> this is, you know... <laughs> well, uh, object of desire, and yes, if I have it, it's exactly like I'm having a $100,000 bottle of wine. But uh, yeah, <laughs> to me, it's far away. <laughs> it's it's you interesting. You who,
2: who uses it, and or who would buy it? And yeah. I'll tell you that it's not the, the ultra rich, it's the, the level of people who are trying to become the top of society. That's usually where you get big spending it's people who are very aspirational in their social <laughs> desires.
1: Apparently I don't belong there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: you yeah. kept saying the word functional, <laughs> forget it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. It, it's interesting to reflect back on the fact, and I remember I remember stories about this. This was in the, uh, the 2016, 2017 time period it was before Google Assistant Devices really started to come out, which was more like twenty, late 2017, 2018. It was in that window where there was people writing articles about the fact that as for as much as uh, Echo devices had been selling at that point, which was quite a lot, they were selling to the roof, that the demographics of Amazon Prime and Amazon's customer base, cr- with, which skews... Heavily educated and skews, uh, you know, higher end socioeconomically, created a situation where the people who had echo devices for as much as they were selling were mainly more well-to-do people who were more educated, and people were not okay with that. You know, so not every article you know I, I read had the same opinion, but there was a bunch of articles at that time talking about the disparity. Uh, whether educational to children of different families that had access to it versus ones that didn't, or different byproducts of that circumstance. And it's been a while since we've had, those articles are gone now, you don't see anything like that. Um, But it's been a while since we've kind of thought in those terms of voice assistance and AI, conversational AI being available to some people and not available to other people and we haven't crossed that bridge yet. The way this whole thing has started for the most part outside of the example that I just got done talking about is these things have been integrated into mobile devices. These things have been generally available to the public and there have not there has not really been a have, have not scenario. Uh, that's not gonna last. And this article to me screams that it's not gonna last. Um, you're going to have people experimenting. You're going to have different companies that say, you know, to hell with you. This is only a higher end product and we get the election information right. <laughs> we get other stuff right or whatever. We sound better. We have a better smart speaker, whatever it is. Higher higher class of offering. And I don't, that will be very interesting to see when that happens. Um, we, we've been fortunate uh, in many ways that that has not happened. Uh, just with the evolution that we've taken, but to me, that's what this story is about. Is it's kind of a glimpse into a future where that's a competitive approach um, is selling to nouveau rich or some you know upper crust part of the stratosphere and 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 leaving other people out uh, by pricing them out um so i don't know it's interesting i think it's eye-opening good to in the show great comments all the way around look charlie colleen gonin great to have all three of you be part of the show uh we're grateful for you thanks for taking the time to share your expertise and your experience not just with me but the audience as well
3: Thank thanks, you. Audience.
2: thanks for, for inviting this.
0: us yeah of like course. a little party For This Week in Voice, Season 7, Episode 9, thank you for listening. If you're on a podcast provider of choice, thank you for watching. If you're watching us on YouTube, until next time.